The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. Let me invite you now to open up your copy of God's Word with me to Colossians. Colossians in chapter 2, it is on page 984 of a pew Bible or whatever Bible you have. Let's open together to Colossians and chapter 2 in this second Sunday of Advent. We are looking at the, the idea of, the topic of the Christ, the person of the Lord Jesus, and varied aspects of his humanity. And last week we looked at the idea of his human nature. Today we're looking at the idea of his human body. Uh, now as you're turning to Colossians chapter 2, I'm sure that one of the things that we think about at Christmas time as we think about scenes of uh, manger and taking our mind's eye to that night in Bethlehem when Christ is born. It warms our heart to think of the, the tender image of a, of a newborn baby that makes everyone just say, oh, you know, just that collective love and joy that we find in new life and the, the birth of a child, especially in the birth of the Christ child. And there is this temptation that we have this only emotional response where we think, oh, how cute, the, the Lord Jesus is a baby in a manger, and, and we never go past that sense of emotional response of um, that Jesus is uh, cute or a baby or just the, the thought of the response of awe in relationship to the Christ child. We want to go beyond that. Not that that in and of itself is wrong or insufficient, but we can grow from this place of understanding that when we think about the Lord Jesus, it's easy for us to think around Christmas time about him as a child because he came, of course, born of a woman, born of the Virgin Mary, but he grew up. He grew up. And when we think about the Lord Jesus in our mind's eye, it may be tempting for us to picture Jesus according to some varied images that we have seen throughout our lives in pictures or in paintings or in some other thing. When we think about Jesus, an image comes to mind and uh, the, the, the second commandment has something to say to us about that. But I want to, to put a caution on your mind because when the Bible speaks of what Jesus looks like, it speaks in unflattering terms. In fact, the prophet Isaiah says about the Lord Jesus that he had no form or majesty that we would behold him, no beauty that we should look upon him, which is Isaiah's way of saying the Lord Jesus is not someone that you would be compelled to based upon his external appearances. But when we think about the Lord Jesus, when we think about who he is, we don't want to just think about what he looks like. We want to linger on this thought that Jesus has a body. And we're going to collect our thoughts around this idea of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. The body of Christ, his human body. And we're looking in Colossians chapter 2, and to be sure, the book of Colossians has a lot to say to us about the person of Christ, who he is, and what he does, and even though we're looking just at one verse this morning, we're going to focus on that one verse, but try to collect it in its larger context, but we are just looking this morning at chapter 2, especially verse 9, considering this body that Jesus has, his human body. I wonder how much you've thought about the body of Christ before. We're going to collect our thoughts around that this morning. Let's pray together and we will read from Colossians 
and hear what God's word has to say to us. Lord, we thank you for the scriptures and with them open before us, we testify again that that we believe that this is your word, living and inspired and without error, given to us for our instruction and for our correction and for training in righteousness so that we wouldn't lack anything that we need for our Christian lives. And so, Lord, as we look here, we pray that your word would come alive to us in the power of your spirit, illuminate our minds and rest upon our hearts that brings understanding and an increase of affection for our Lord Jesus today, in whose name we pray. Amen. This is Colossians and chapter 2, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 6 and read through verse 9. This is the word of God from Colossians in chapter 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Amen. So far... God's word. May he write its truth on our hearts today. And I hope you do keep your Bible open there in Colossians in chapter 2 as we look at this, which is a, looking in verse 9, a massive statement. A massive statement. Paul is here speaking of that which is infinite being contained in that which is finite. The infinite in the finite. This is a massive statement here. In verse 9, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. There's something here about the book of Colossians that's important to understand in a general sense to be able to appreciate the significance of what Paul is saying in here in verse 9. In fact, if you flip back to chapter 1 and verse 19 quickly, you'll see him making a, a similar statement. Chapter 1 and verse 19, Paul writes, for in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell with respect to Jesus. He is God. God has come to to dwell among us in the person of the Lord Jesus. And there is no better time to think about this than Christmas time, the season of Advent, when we are intended to focus our particular attention upon this child and ask the question that we sing together in that that beautiful hymn, what child is this? Who is this child? What is this child? Who is he and what has he come to do and how does he intend to do it? Who is he and what is he? Last Sunday, we talked about the fact from John chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is one person with two natures. He is fully God and he is fully man. He is 100% God and 100% man. Not mixed together, not 50-50, fully God, fully man in one man, Jesus. And so when we speak of Jesus, there are not 
two hymns. There are not two he's. There is one he. He is one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself is fully God and fully man. And and this Advent season, we are trying to to lift our thoughts. And I'll acknowledge to you that that we are trying to to look at more uh, theological and doctrinal realities of the person of the Lord Jesus. But we have to do that in order to understand who it is that we're worshiping and who it is that we're trusting in and what he is and who he is, so that as we worship this incarnate Christ, we do so with eyes that are full and hearts that are full and minds that are full of knowledge and love and sight of the Lord Jesus in all of his fullness. Do you see Paul using that word? Fullness. Does it there in verse 9, and we looked in chapter 1, he uses that same word again, fullness. We're going to think about that in just a moment, but we're just going to look at three, three words here in verse 9 and, and, and see what Paul is saying and how it transforms our view of Jesus. And those three words there in verse 9 are deity, dwells, and bodily. The last part of verse 9, one verse, one half of one verse, deity dwelling bodily as we focus on the human body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul writes there that in Christ the whole fullness of deity, he is calling back the truth that we believe that the baby that lies in the manger is, of course, God himself. God himself. The fullness of God dwelling here among us in the person of the Lord Jesus. And the reason why Paul uses this word fullness is because it has particular attention to the citizens of Colossae because something that had been happening among themselves, something that had been happening among their church in the first century, and you can see this in verse 8, that uh, it is clear that there were those that were rising up that were starting to teach contrary truths to what the Apostle Paul had taught to them when he visited with them and when he wrote to them and as he is explaining the gospel to them, there were certain false teachers who were coming to Colossae to say, it's not enough. It's not enough for you to believe in Christ. It's not enough for you to turn from your sins. It's not enough for you to rest upon Jesus with the Holy Spirit. You need something more. You need something extra. You need some extra element to fill you beyond what you currently are filled because you lack something in your soul. You lack something in your Christian life if you don't have what these other teachers were saying you needed. And so this idea of filling and fullness was very controversial there in Colossae. You lack something and we will provide it to you. And they were teaching this and Paul comes against this with a very strong word. And that was then in the first century. This idea of you lack something. You're not filled and you lack it. That was then, but today, that same thing is still being taught in very ways. And I wonder if you recognize it, this idea that you as a Christian believer are, are incomplete if you don't have some so-called second blessing, second baptism of the Spirit so that you'll speak in tongues and roll on the floor and run in the aisles. You're incomplete if you don't have this. You lack and you need the filling and the fullness of the Spirit beyond what you currently have. That's still being taught today and it's similar to what Paul was coming against in Colossae. But the trouble then and still today is this idea that Jesus isn't enough. That you need something else. That Christ is not enough for you and that you are somehow incomplete 
without this some kind of next level filling to this elite class. And to that idea, Paul says, where is fullness truly found? Where is fullness truly found? And how are we complete? He says, in him. In Christ, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. And with that, Paul swings a death blow with this notion that somehow you are incomplete if all you have is Jesus. He is saying, no, Jesus is himself fully God and with Christ and with God, we are filled to the fullness. To be joined to Christ by faith is to have all that you need because He is God. He is the fullness of deity. This has been the most essential truth of the Christian faith in the first century, in the fourth century, and still on today. And people have always argued about this. Is Jesus truly God? Must I believe upon him, or is my faith in just God in general enough? Is Jesus really necessary? Hasn't that always been the dividing issue among what separates believers from non-believers, what you think about Jesus? You know, in the 4th century, this idea of Jesus as God was something they were continuing to stumble over, just like people still do today. There were people that were teaching that Jesus, there's God, there's God the Father, and then there's Jesus. He's, He's less than God the Father. He is created by God. He comes into being after God the Father. Because God the Father, He's really God, but God the Son is, is less than God. He's something else. He only, or he only appears to be God. There were those who were teaching that when Jesus took upon a body, it was a fake body. It was a body that only appeared to be a body. Some kind of uh, apparition or, or mystical, mysterious vision that the disciples had of what is not actual reality. There were people that were teaching that. Consequently, people still think that. Jesus is not real. If they think that, then therefore Jesus is not really God, and that brings about all kinds of issues. Now, think to yourself here quickly uh, about spelling, all right? Sometimes one letter can make a big difference in a word, right? Like if you think about the words inshore and ashore, they're spelled similarly, but one letter changes it. Perhaps two letters, does it make a big deal? Or the word complement and complement, one with an I and one with an E. Two words, spelled very similarly with one difference. Maybe you know the phrase, or people have said this phrase to you, or you've wondered, what, is that, what in the world does that mean? They say, not one iota. Have you heard that phrase? It matters not one iota, right? Uh, where that comes from, that phrase comes from the fourth century, when people were debating about who Jesus is. Because there were those who were teaching that Jesus was created, that he is not really God, that he only appears to be God. And there were those who were saying, no, Jesus is God. And the words that the people were using who said that Jesus appears to be God and the word that they used to describe Jesus who said was God was the exact same word but with one letter difference, the Greek letter iota. And the controversy was, does it matter in iota whether God is truly in Jesus or Jesus only appears to be God? Does it matter? Does it really matter? Just one little iota. What is the answer to that? Yes, of course it matters if God 
comes fully in Jesus or Jesus only appears to be God. We understand this. It matters deeply. And this view of Jesus was present in Colossae in the 4th century and still alive today. It does matter, Paul says, in Jesus Christ, the whole fullness of deity. Jesus is God fully. But notice he also says, secondly, that this deity dwells. Last week, we looked at John chapter 1 and verse 14, that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And here is Paul using the word dwell. It's, it's different in the Greek, but the concept is the same. That deity is housed in this human being, in this body. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, God dwelling with us here with us. But here's our focus then, this last word in verse 9. Bodily. Bodily. The true human body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does it matter that Jesus has a body? I wonder if you've ever thought about it. Again, this idea that Jesus has a fake body or he was something of a mysterious figure in which he only appeared to have a body or the idea that his body wasn't actually truly human. No, he's a real human being. Think about it for a moment. He got tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He was exhausted. He was wounded. A true human. Half of his chromosomes belong to Mary. She provides it to him. Her DNA is within him as a real and true human being. And if you linger on this thought of the virgin birth, uh, it would not have been possible, although may perhaps likely that in pot- potential uh, polite conversation, people would come and say, oh, this is your son. And they say, oh, he looks like you. Uh, you could have said that to Mary, and it would have been true. Jesus is truly Mary's son. Would you have been able to say it about Joseph? Actually, no. Whether or not people did, of course, we're speculating. But just to be polite, oh, he looks like you. I wonder what Joseph would have thought to something like that. Right? But this idea of Jesus' true humanity comes in special focus when we move beyond just the Christmas story and we think about him growing up. And how many of you have or remember, maybe in your home or your grandparents' home, you got a cupboard or a door and... Along there are all kinds of check marks tracking the progress of growth over your life. And there are names and ages and there are measurements. And you can look at that and see that this this person grew up. Jesus grew up. If you keep reading in Luke chapter 2 past the Christmas story, it says twice, once in verse 40 and once in verse 52 that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in knowledge that Jesus grows up people would say to Jesus my how you've grown I had this experience a couple weeks ago at Thanksgiving because I saw cousins that I hadn't seen for a decade and I know that I'm getting older because I have this experience of looking at people and my first thought being, wow, you're so much taller. Wow, you've grown. My, how you've grown. I have cousins that I haven't seen since they were like seven years old and now they're near 20. And I'm thinking to myself, you're so tall. We have this instance to think about Jesus as a man, as a human being with a body growing up. 
This Jesus whom you think of, this Jesus whom you read about in the Gospels, and we often don't think about the capacity in which he is doing these things. Think about it. Jesus walked everywhere. His feet took him to these places. His feet took him up the mountain where he sat down and taught the Beatitudes. His feet took him to Cana in the wedding feast where he turned the water into wine. His feet took him to Bethany where with his eyes... He wept at Lazarus's side, his graveside. These eyes of the Lord Jesus that, that looked upon the disciples as they were being tossed by the waves and with his eyes having compassion upon them. The eyes in which Jesus looked over Jerusalem and had compassion on this city that did not believe. The hands of the Lord Jesus. Think of his hands, the hands that reached out to touch lepers that previously had no human contact because they were off limits and the hands of the Lord Jesus being extended to touch them. The hands of the Lord Jesus that takes bread and breaks them. The hands of the Lord Jesus that have nails driven into them. His body, his real true human body. As Jesus says in the resurrection narrative, saying to Thomas, put your finger here. Lay hold of me and touch me. Behold my hands, behold my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. This is so essential to the Christian faith because in the time that Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, One of the prevailing notions is that what it means to truly be alive is to be alive in your spirit. Your body is just a prison for your soul. Who you really are is your soul that's going to live on, but your body is is wrong. It's it's only bad. It's a prison for the soul. One day you're going to discard the body and live forever in the spirit. But Jesus comes with a body, a true human body, so that he might redeem our bodies comes as a real man in true humanity because we as humanity have fallen in sin it is necessary and important for Jesus to really be a true man with a true human body because we in our bodies have sinned Jesus comes in that same flesh to redeem us, to redeem our bodies, fit for a new creation. One day you will have a brand new body, a resurrection body. And you have that because Christ has come in the body to redeem our bodies that we might live bodily for all eternity. The body of Jesus matters to redeem our humanity. What does this mean for varied aspects of us? All sorts of things. Students, teenagers, especially. Those of you who are constantly asking the question, who am I? And you seek your identity just like the rest of us do. The Bible would tell you that your identity is in Christ and you are complete in him. The fullness of God is in Christ and you lack nothing in Jesus who is the fullness of God himself. There is no lacking to your life, students and teenagers, when you trust in Christ. There's nothing you lack. For adults, middle-aged adults, younger adults, especially perhaps parents, you're older than you thought you would be. Now, and there are things that you haven't done with your life that you swore you would. And you're in places that you didn't think that you would be, perhaps. And there's a sense in which you feel like your life is lacking something or incomplete. And the Bible would tell you that in Christ, you don't lack. 
that with Jesus Christ you have the fullness of God, even though things might not appear as you plan for them to be, that God's purpose for your life is good and full and complete and real and true for you because of who Christ is, that he has you and your family exactly where he intends to have you in his good purposes and you don't lack anything in Jesus Christ. Or it may be that you experience in your body groaning and creaking and things don't work the way they used to and you wake up in the morning and you grumble because you have to deal with x y or z again today and you look in the mirror and you swear that 50 years has gone by in the blink of an eye and you don't know what will become jesus christ comes with a body in true humanity because your body and mine was not made to exist forever in this state The reason why it fails and breaks down is because this world is infected with sin. Christ has come to redeem all those things to make us fit for a new humanity one day. And in Christ is the fullness and by way of his body and the work that he has done in his body, all of this will be true for us. Because think of him in his body and ask the question, where is he right now? He's not in a manger anymore. Christ is not a baby. You won't go to him and think how cute he is. It's not like that. Jesus Christ is no longer upon the cross. He is risen. And in the fullness of his humanity, he has ascended to heaven's throne. And in the fullness of his humanity, in his capacity as our mediator, seated upon heaven's throne, reigning and interceding and preparing for the day when he will one day come again to make all things new. And he is able to do this because he is truly a man in his Body. So we put our hopes in him, we rest and we trust in him and find that just as the fullness of God dwells within Christ, the fullness of our life is found in that same Christ who is truly God and truly man. And the uniqueness, the utter uniqueness of this Jesus compels us to say that there is none like you. And there is too no one else who I should surrender all my hope and all my trust and find in you the fullness of all of my life. And Advent season is given particularly for you to ponder the fullness of Christ and contemplate the perfections of who he is and say to him, what a wonderful Savior you are. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your glorious plan of salvation and the hope that we have in Jesus and the perfections of his humanity and the fullness of his deity. Lord, we find in him all of our hopes. Encourage us and bless us and strengthen us in our identity in Christ today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.